All right, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We pray that you'd speak to our hearts tonight. Thank you for the worship time, the songs, and getting our hearts lined up with you and ready to receive everything you have for us. Pray for the kids and the teachers that are helping them through your word tonight, that they'd understand it and they'd stay in their hearts, and uh, that they grow from it and be strong young men and women and um, be able to walk with you probably better than we did, and we hope that for them. We pray you stay very close to them. Lord, help us through your word tonight. Be our teacher and our guide. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So what chapter are we in? Okay, there's 11, right? That's what my notes say. The book of Acts. Um, These works of the Holy Spirit that we're watching kind of progressively get better. We're watching the church mature, evolve a little bit in the sense that now the Gentiles are involved and um, new things are taking place and the apostles are learning and everybody's learning um, to see what it's like. And, and, and back in 2021, as we're going through this, we're learning what it means to be a Christian, what it means to be a body. And we can see how carefully we need to follow God's word so that we are very in tune with what the Holy Spirit, which this is his sword, leads us and guides us and directs us. The whole book of Acts, the whole point of it, is that you can't, you can't figure out ahead of time what God wants to do. You, you know the morals, you understand his heart, and you can take a guess that he's probably going in one of three directions, maybe, at best, but we have to be led of the Holy Spirit each and every day, or we can either get way ahead of him, get way behind him, or be completely off track. And so we watch this all take place. We see Peter get visions and hear things from the Lord and actually act upon those visions and do what God's led him to do. We hear other guys saying, just go meet him. He'll, he'll know what to tell you. I could tell you in your dreams, Cornelius, I could tell you what you want to know about being saved. I don't need Peter, but I, don't want, I want to use Peter because I need Peter to realize that Gentiles can be saved too. And so I, I'm going to use you in this. It's not going to be an easy thing. He's going to show up and tell you how bad it is that he's there. If you remember that, Peter walks in and says, you know, I'm not supposed to be here, right? And uh, they said, yeah, we know, but could you tell us anyway? things that pertain to God and how to be saved. And he does. And so Peter learns, and Cornelius learns, and the whole household learns, and the Holy Spirit falls, and it's an amazing thing. Well, the church back in Jerusalem, those who didn't leave, you know, there's different waves of groups going out. You've got the folks that said to stay in Jerusalem, and that's their, that's their core, that's their base camp, and then they're Judea, and then they're further on out, and we've got these waves of believers. Well, they hear about these things going on the, on the fringe out here, and they're not sure what to think, you know. Let's go send some people out to investigate what's going on. You know, what is this all about? What do you mean Gentiles are getting saved? Oh, yeah, they are. Holy Spirit fell upon them like they did us, or like he did us. Really. i got to see this, you know. got to understand this. And so they're still having the same discovery like a child in wonderment like they did when <laughs> uh, 
when they realized Jesus wasn't in the tomb anymore. You know, he's, he's risen. No, no, he's not. You know, no, he really is. Go look. And they had to go look for themselves. And they're still having to discover that. And I pray that that would always be our heart. Not immediately dismissing what we're hearing about what God's doing, but at least go and try to find out, really? And want to be a part of it, you know? So in verse 1 of chapter 11, let's get into it. Now, the apostles and brethren who were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. And when Peter came up to Jerusalem, those of the circumcision contended with him, saying, you went in to uncircumcised men and ate with them, exclamation point, accusatory. Now, they're of the circumcision, and we're going to get into that quite a bit. Um, It's an uncomfortable topic in, in the sense that there's a lot of implications when he talks about circumcision and uncircumcision. I'm not necessarily talking about the physical. They are, but what they mean by it is that's our badge of honor. That is our claim to God. And the circumcision means he's ours, and they kind of had it mixed up. No, the circumcision means that you're mine, God would say. And they've reversed it to think that, no, the circumcision means that he's ours. Nobody else can touch him. Nobody else can have him. And I understand there's that jealousy. Sometimes that can come up, you know, he's, he's my God, he's not your God, you know. We're closer to him than you are, you, you know. It, 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 it comes from a lot of insecurity probably, a lot of... We're always getting beat down. We're always the ones getting picked on. We've had to fight. For, I mean, the Jewish people have had to fight for everything, their entire existence. It's always been a battle for them. And we know why. I mean, hindsight, we can see Satan trying to crush them. We understand that. But it's always been a battle for them. And so when you find out that all these Gentiles who have been constantly battling them, whether that's in Egypt or wherever, Philistines, the Romans, what do you mean they're getting saved? You can see. I mean, you could kind of understand there. Peter, did you did you give our jewel, you know, our gospel, our Savior, did you take it to the Gentiles? I did because God told me to. And so this is a big moment for them. It's a hard moment for them to swallow, to accept. Did you, as a circumcised guy, the Jewish guy, Go to the uncircumcised Gentiles. Yep, we did. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 17 through 19, it talks about circumcision a little bit. Paul is trying to explain. Paul was, you know, a Jew of Jews. He was a teacher of teachers. He was a pastor of pastors, if you know what that means. It's like... um, I'm trying to think of a good example with, without using the military. I kind of always fall into the military thing. But I remember the, I guess it's, it's kind of stuck with me, is the drill instructors had to go to drill instructor school. So can you imagine being the professor in drill instructor school? You know, that's a whole other level. And so that's kind of how I see Paul. Paul was, he taught the teachers, you know. Now, he sat under Gamaliel and all that, but he's a teacher of teachers. He's a, he's a teacher maker, you know. And so Paul writes to the Corinthian church, trying to explain to them, but as God has distributed to each one, as the Lord has called each one, so let him walk. And so I ordain in all the churches 
Was anyone called in, to Jesus? Were, were you saved? Were you born again? Were you, you know, did Jesus say, I want you to come follow me while circumcised? Let him not become uncircumcised. Was anyone called while uncircumcised? Let him not be circumcised. Circumcision is nothing, and uncircumcision is nothing. But keeping the commandments of God is what matters. Try to get their eyes off of that. Now, as a teacher of teachers, someone who was being adamant about the law, that would not be something that you would teach. You know that covenant about circumcision? We don't worry about that anymore. We don't do that anymore. It's however you were called. Don't worry about it. Just If you're circumcised, that's fine. Then God called you while you're circumcised. If you're uncircumcised, then God called But don't be doing this just, just to gain favor. The, 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 the thought was... For the Jewish person, that's fine if you want to become a follower of our God, but you need to be a Jew first. And so you need to go through all those hoops, basically. Paul's saying, no, you really don't. We're not going through those hoops, especially the Gentiles. They don't need to do that. And so we can stop that right now. And he's trying to teach the Corinthian church that because apparently in that spirit-filled church, and that is our best example of a Holy Spirit-filled church, they were moving in all the gifts of the Holy Spirit and yet without love. And that is why 1 Corinthians 13 is such an important chapter. And all the gifts, they had all knowledge. They were so smart. They were such good teachers. They understood the scriptures. But without love, you're, you're just a gong with all that data. Nobody cares. Nobody can receive it from you because it's not coming from love. And so that's why he had to teach that church that. I'm, I'm so glad that you're moving in the gifts, but we've got to have that love first. Well, the gifts are... But well, they're not beneficial to the body. They're, they're grating a little bit, you know. They grate on people. So he's teaching them, hey, the circumcision thing, you don't need to become a Jew to become saved. Galatians, he writes to this church, chapter 2, verses 3 through 5, same topic. The whole chapter, really, but we're not going to spend all night on that. Yet not even Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. And this occurred because of false brethren secretly brought in, who came in by stealth to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage, to whom we did not yield submission even for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. He had to hold the line. And for him, that would have been a hard line to hold. You know, as he's getting confronted right here in chapter 11 of Acts, hey, did you really go to the Gentiles? He's got a, you know, Peter's confronted. And he does a pretty good job holding the line here. Pretty good. Tries to explain it to them in, in a gentle way. You know, there's an exclamation point there. So they're in his face. You've got this great news about all these people getting saved and the Holy Spirit falling upon people. And what the people that weren't there want to say is, I hear right. Yeah, you heard, right? And he tries to explain it to him again. And what I love about this is Luke, who's the author of the book of Acts. If you didn't know that, you should have by now. He's the author because he wrote the gospel of Luke. And he's, this is like Luke 2. Acts is Luke 2. He's a Gentile. It's very important to him. It's so important that he's actually going to tell us the entire story again. He just wrote it down. Understand, he's writing on, like, expensive papyrus, excuse me, 
I had some chocolate. Expensive, you know, rare paper goods. No chisel and hammer, no dust, no mud plates, no whatever they used other than the. And he's going to take the time to actually write verbatim what he just wrote. Just to drive home the point, because this is a pivoting point for the church. And so Luke is going to have Peter, he's going to write out what Peter said to them. He could have just said, and so Peter explained it, just how it went down, and they received it, and all joy, and you know, but he doesn't. He takes the time to enumerate it again. And so that's a a red flag for us, or not a red flag, it should be a, a neon sign for us, that we need to pay attention to this. It's a big deal. Galatians, I didn't even have... Titus, and he was Greek to be circumcised. I always get this question, how do they know? <laughs> Please don't ask me that question. I don't know how they know. Maybe they went to the bathroom at the same time or something, and I don't know what the big deal was, but they could tell that, hey, this Titus guy, he's Greek. He's circumcised, right? You could lie, you know. But for some reason, they knew. Now, Timothy, on the other hand, Timothy gets circumcised. Why? Timothy says, I, or Paul says, I, you need to be circumcised, and they're not going to listen to you because he's half Jewish. And the Jewish people could not listen to him because they knew that he wasn't worried. So he, oh, you got a Greek dad. Did you, you know, you got a, did you get that taken care of? You need to get that taken care of. And so Paul says, you know, for you, it's going to be a stumbling block. No one's going to listen to you. You need to get that done. But for Titus, no, he's a Greek. He doesn't need to get that done. So he's making a point here. And there's, a, there's a lot here for us, a lot to chew on for us, to understand, to get. In Colossians, Paul continues again, chapter 2, verses 11 through 12. In him, in Jesus, you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Buried with him in baptism, in which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. The circumcision that he's looking for, that God is looking for, is one that's not made with hands. It's not a physical emblem that you could boast about. It's something that's taken place in the heart as a believer. Or those who are pretending to be believers, probably more accurately, That circumcision of heart is obvious. It needs to be obvious. That person is a born-again believer. I can tell by the way they act, by the way they walk, by the way they talk. They're a changed person. They're no longer who they used to be. They're different. You can't just expose yourself and say, look, I'm circumcised. No, no, no. It's much more difficult now. You can't fake this. It's not something you can just do. It's not just a a work that can be done. It's something that everybody can see and everybody pays attention to and everybody can tell. You're not walking with the Lord. I can tell that. I can see it. That circumcision that was made without hands is by God. He takes off the body of sin, of the flesh. I remove that from my life. That's the symbolism is. We don't want to just lose a couple ounces. Too graphic tonight? Sorry. You should have known. No, we're interested in a changed life. What difference does it make if you 
got wet. What difference does it make if you made a profession with your mouth if it doesn't change you, if you're not different, if you're not a born-again believer? I don't want to just say I'm a born-again believer. I don't want to have a necklace around my head that states, look, I'm wearing a cross, and therefore I'm saved. And No, I want to, I want to get rid of that flesh in my life. Anything that my flesh is urging me to do that keeps me away from God, I want to remove from my life. I, I circumcise it from my life. I cut it off. I cut off the flesh is the idea. Paul is being graphic on purpose. You understand that, right? Later on, Paul's going to say, I wish those guys would cut themselves off, those who are coming around saying you got to be circumcised to get saved. I hope they cut themselves off. I'm in good company. That's all I can say. Romans chapter 2, verses 28 through 29. For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew who is one inwardly. And circumcision is that of the heart and the spirit, not in the letter whose praise is not from men, but from God. God is looking at our hearts. Always, always, always looking at our hearts. I want to see that. God wants to see that. And only God can see that. That's the thing. Only God can see that part of us. Our, our outward actions should follow what God's been doing in our heart. Sometimes, I mean, we do. We sin. But that's not what we're known for. We're known for walking with God. We're known for loving him. We're known for repentance. Maybe that's a better way to put it. We're known to, when we sin or if we sin, we repent. We turn back to God frequently, often. That's important. And so I've read those scriptures, those cross-references to you, because that is the issue here. They don't understand how you could go to these guys. They're unclean. God has called them unclean. And now Peter has to explain to them, no, the Gentiles are not unclean. God has cleansed them with his son, Jesus Christ, and is able to. And we need to receive that. He's going to try to teach them. Now, they're going to have a big ordeal in chapter 15 of Acts, but let's wait till we get there to go over that, okay? But if you want to read ahead on the same subject, chapter 15 of Acts. Verse 4, back in 11. But Peter explained it to them in order from the beginning, saying, and here's where Dr. Luke writes it all out again. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, an object descending like a great sheet let down from heaven by four corners, and it came to me. When I observed it intently and considered, I saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, birds of the air, and I heard a voice saying to me, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, Not so, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has come or has at any time entered my mouth. But the voice answered me again from heaven, What God has cleansed you must not call common. Now, this was done three times, and all were drawn up again into heaven. At that very important, or that, that very moment, three men stood before the house where I, was having, uh, where, I, where I was, having been sent to me from Caesarea. Then the Spirit told me to go with them, doubting nothing. Moreover, these six brethren accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. And he told us of how he had seen an angel standing in his house who said to him, send men to Joppa and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter, who will tell you words by which you and all your household will be saved. And 
As I began to speak, now interesting how they put it there. Do you remember what happened last time? It was before he was finished speaking, the Holy Spirit fell upon them. The way Peter recounts it here is, as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them as upon us in the beginning. Then I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If therefore God gave them the same gift as he gave us when we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could withstand God? And when they heard these things, they became silent and they glorified God saying, and God has also granted the Gentiles repentance to life. That was a hard thing for them to say. I don't know why. It just, I can't imagine how ingrained it must have been in them to consider these Gentiles. I guess I kind of thought they thought they were just second-class citizens, but I think it was much more, much worse than that, the way they described them here. And this is a hard swallow for them. They heard these things. Now, I've got to give it to them, though, as hard as this was to swallow. They're getting this second-hand. Um, Peter's the one that experienced all this. He has brought with him the witnesses that went with him. Remember they said, he says, and, and Peter brought some guys to go visit Cornelius. Those are the eyewitnesses to see what would take place. And these are these six brethren here that he spoke of, uh, verse 12, is when he said, these six accompanied me. So they're there standing with him. The, the six are standing behind Peter going, yeah, this is happening just like Peter said. You know, They're all doing it right there. Yep. And that helps. But these guys, they haven't experienced it. The guys in Judea haven't experienced it. So they had to receive it from Peter just because Peter said, this is what happened, and there was witness. And they said, well, I guess God's also granted the Gentiles repentance. Now, chapter 15 is kind of funny when we get to it. And I say that because the guys in Judea are still having problems or it's at the same time or around a similar situation and We'll get into it when we get there. I don't want to go over it again, but you could read chapter 15, and they're still going, I, I don't know about this. Kind of thing. And I guess unless you've experienced it, you don't know. You know? Do I take Peter's word for it? Well, he is one of the original apostles. I don't know who these guys are, but he's one of the original apostles. Luke was very happy to rewrite this. He's very happy to document and bookend this little story for the second time with the Gentiles, or the I'm sorry, the, the circumcised guys screaming at Peter, but ending with, God has also granted the Gentiles to repentance to life. He put both those things in there on purpose. And it's to teach us as well, when I hear about something that God's doing someplace, I don't have to believe it. I'm not required to believe everything that everybody tells me that God's doing every place. I, a lot of things I don't believe that I've heard from people say, oh, yeah, you got to go to Pensacola, Florida, and get the gold fillings from God. He'll fix your teeth right there in the sanctuary. Gold fillings. I know. You're all going, what? Yeah, you can look it up. No. I mean, because when God heals people, he'd give them a whole tooth. I don't think he'd do dental work on them. You know what I mean? I, I just can't see him getting out his drill. Hold still. You know, smell that smoke? A lot of people. No, I think he'd just heal their teeth. So I have a hard time with that, but I wasn't there. But if I was, man, I'd have people with their mouths wide open, my fingers in their mouth going, let me see that. 
Did you not have this before you came in here? I'm kind of a doubter when it comes to that stuff because I know that I trust his word. I don't necessarily trust other people's experiences. I don't have to, and neither do you. I'm not giving these guys a pass, and I'm not trying to say that he's teaching us something that he's, that he's really not teaching us in this chapter. I think their conclusion in, in verse 18 is, well, then I guess that's what's happened. I don't know that they're on board. I think they just said, okay. I mean, we can't say you're lying. We got six guys behind you nodding their heads saying this is exactly what happened. And I don't think they let it sit. I don't think they leave it alone. But they said, okay, well, great. It doesn't change us necessarily. You know, it's not something God showed us. It's not something we were a part of. This is something that God's done with you. Great. God's done this. And so they realized that perhaps Peter's been given this ministry, basically. I guess you're the minister then for these guys, since God's called you to do that, which means we don't have to kind of thing. It's just interesting. Now, um, Joel chapter 2, verse 28, is the prophecy that's being fulfilled here. Um, when this Holy Spirit has fallen upon these guys, not just water baptism, but a baptism of the Holy Spirit, this is still taking place. Joel chapter 2, verse Uh, 28 says, and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Now, I take note of this because it didn't just happen in Acts chapter 2 with everybody in the upper room. It's, It's still happening. The Holy Spirit is still falling upon people. Even before Peter's done speaking, in fact, Sometimes the Holy Spirit came upon people after they laid hands on them, but this is happening before Peter even gets the words necessarily completely out of their mouth. The Holy Spirit's falling upon Gentiles now. God is still pouring, and he's still pouring today. It still happens. And I hate to see people miss out on this in the sense that they don't believe it or they won't receive it, and if God wants to do something, they discount it, or they walk away from it, or they shy away from it, or they explain it away. It's like, I don't say it's to blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, but to deny the Holy Spirit definitely can quench the Holy Spirit from all that he wants to do. Because I haven't got it in my mind yet that I believe it or not, but it's happening to you. You're broken, you're weeping, you're, you're busted before the Lord, and you're, you're filled with joy at the same time, and you're overflowing, and you don't know how to stop it. You ask God to hold off. I can't do anymore. I can't take anymore. I'm, I'm overflowing. My cup is full, you know. But that's not the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Why, isn't it? Sometimes it's just better not to talk to people about that stuff that's happened to you. I mean, I I would say, and I don't don't mean that. I mean, I I want you to share that, what God has done with you and what's happened to you in these moments where God fills you with his Holy Spirit because it needs to be talked about. People need to know that it's taking place. But I understand, I guess is a better way to put it, why people don't talk about their private times with the Lord when he pours on him or pours on them the Holy Spirit. Because people that have never experienced it or don't believe in it just kind of look at them. Yeah, you know, that's great, you weirdo, you know. 
Like, no, it's it's so normal. I, that's what Luke is trying to explain. It was so normal. We knew what was going to happen when people got saved. We knew how lives were going to be changed and how the Holy Spirit was falling on people. And the fruit of the Spirit was so evident in their lives. And the gifts of the Spirit were flowing. And it was just so wonderful throughout this birth of the church and continues on today if we'll just let the Lord do what he wants to do. And so this is Joel chapter 2, 28, and it's still happening today. Verse 19. But those who were scattered after the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, preaching the word to no one but the Jews only. I didn't think they could. But some of them were men from Cyprus, Cyrene, who, when they had come to Antioch, spoke to the Hellenists. That's close. Greek Jews, Hellenist Jews, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. Then news of these things came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem. This is different from this other group. And they sent out Barnabas to go as far as Antioch. Now, Barnabas, is, he's the son of encouragement. Remember who he is. Barnabas, we're hearing uh, rumors of some Hellenists getting saved, or getting a lot of people getting born again out there. Go check it out. Barnabas is like, you bet. He loved that stuff. He's a good guy, you know. When he came and had seen the grace of God, he was glad. I pause at that because sometimes that's not exactly how the Judean circumcised guys started this chapter off with. When they heard about the grace of God, they were upset that Peter had taken this to the Gentiles. Barnabas, on the other hand, a guy who's filled with the Holy Spirit, full of God's love, hears about it and sees the grace of God, and he's glad about it, and encouraged them all that with purpose of heart, they should continue with the Lord. I mean, make it a purpose in your life. Don't just let these things happen to you, but dive in, dig in, make decisions to follow the Lord, make decisions to choose God each and every day. You know, I love, the, I love it when we pray and say, oh, God, just take this away from me and change me and do this and all that. That's great, and we should pray that. But we also have to go home and get rid of the garbage that we've asked God to remove from our lives, you know? It seems silly, but we're like, oh, God, I just pray that you take alcohol away from me. Still here, still sitting here, just make it all disappear. You got a toilet? Oh, God, this meth. This meth has really got a hold of me. I just pray that you get rid of it. Nope, still there. I guess God wants me to have it. No! You got to get rid of it. And I picked on some easy targets there. I mean, it could be all sorts of stuff. But whatever it is, there are some decisions we have to make as believers to actually functionally do. I have hands. I have feet. I'm not paralyzed. I can... I can avoid those places or I can actually go to those places. I just wish I could get myself to church. Why can't you get to church? I don't know. Your hands not work. You can't start the car. You don't have feet. 
What's going on? I just, I don't know. I don't want to. Well, you can pray all you want. God's not going to drag you by your nose. I'm just saying, when when Barnabas, this wonderful guy that sees the beautiful grace of God, he's a, he's glad, but he encouraged them that they should purpose in their heart to continue with the Lord. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. He was excited and encouraging. He says, man, you, you've, got, you've got to participate. You get to participate. Get into it, you know. Just a good man. That's how the Bible describes Barnabas. Not even an apostle. I mean, he was, but I mean, that's not how he describes He's a good man. You know, that's everybody. I mean, we know who Billy Graham is. We know how great he is. Wonderful evangelist. He's just, he's just a good man who loves the Lord. He just obeys God every day and puts his shoes on and brushes his teeth and and puts some clothes on and goes to where God tells him to go and says what God tells him to say, and then he goes home and he brushes his teeth again, maybe. He's a really good guy who does that. And he goes to bed and he falls asleep and he gets headaches and he takes aspirin and he eats food and he goes to the bathroom and he takes showers and he's decaying and falling apart. and you know, But he's just a good man who just loves God and does what God tells him to do every day. That's what God's called us to do. That's our impact. We choose every morning to tie our shoes, to brush our teeth, to make ourselves presentable, and to go out and do what God calls us to do every day. It may be speaking to thousands and thousands of people. It may be speaking to no one that day, but praying. Maybe nothing. We read a very compact, concise book here, but sometimes there's decades in between God using somebody. Decades, and we just skip over that in chapters. I mean, Paul is gone for three years. We just skipped over that in a verse for three years. We don't know what happened. Another place, 14 years. We don't know what happened. You know, there's gaps and things, and every day you have to purpose in your heart to continue with the Lord. Today might not be wonder ministry, you know. Today you had to get up and you had to vacuum. This is filthy. And by getting your house in order, even though it was mundane and boring, you had time to think, you had time to pray, and you live in an uncluttered home, and it brings a little order to your life, you feel a little bit better, and you're able to then sit down and enjoy whatever it is you want to enjoy, your beverage of choice. Mine is water today. And God's word in a peaceful, quiet home. Simple things like that, you know. Every day, purpose in their heart to continue with the Lord. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. Luke is saying that about him. Luke liked this guy. And a great many people were added to the Lord. Then Barnabas departed for Tarsus to seek Saul. Nobody's seeking Saul. Saul's a hot potato, you know. Every time Saul comes around, it's like bad things happen to the church. And so Saul's, Saul's often... Tarsus and Barnabas says, how is that Saul, Saul doing? I'll go find him, you know. And when he had found him, can you imagine that? Who knows what Saul's thinking, what Paul's thinking, you know? What, I, is God ever going to use me? I'm out here, all, but I don't know what 
what's happening. I just feel like I try, and I went, and nobody wanted to hear me, and bad things happened to the church. And they said, hey, it's nice to see you, Paul. Do you mind to jump out of this window really quick? And, you know, <laughs> and Barnabas, a son of encouragement, full of the Holy Spirit, a good man. I'm going to go find him. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. Come on, Paul, let's go. Imagine what that must have felt for him. Have someone come look for him. Find him. So I was thinking about you. God told me to come find you. Come, let's go. Let's go to Antioch. I'd love to go to Antioch. Then one of them named Agabus stood up and showed by the Spirit that there was going to be a great famine. So Agabus, this guy filled with the Holy Spirit, prophesies. On the last days, God has spoken to us by his son. He in former times spoke by the law, and he spoke by Moses, and he spoke by the prophets. But in these last days, he's spoken by his son. Well, okay. But here Agabus, filled with the Holy Spirit, prophesies about a famine coming on. So he's still doing this. God's still doing that. I don't think we can add to Christ. I don't think we can add to God's word. But if he wants to prophesy about a famine, God can certainly let us know there's a famine. Good to know. Throughout all the world, which also happened in the days of Claudius Caesar. Then the disciples, each according to his ability, determined to send relief to the brethren dwelling in Judea. This they also did and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. That's on purpose. That's on purpose. How are we going to help these people in the famine? Well, we need to help these guys in Judea, and so we're going to send Barnabas and Paul and all these churches, all these Gentile churches, and all these Judean circumcised guys going, I don't know, these Gentile guys over here, I don't know about them. And Paul and Barnabas show up with buckets of stuff. I don't know, maybe it's burrows full of stuff. I don't know how they brought it, but they brought it starving to death over here, no food. Say, where did that come from? Those guys that you didn't think should be saved. Interesting. Collections were made. People were, oh, we've got to help these guys out because that is the natural inclination of someone whose life has been changed and touched by Jesus Christ. They're born again. They're no longer the same. None of this stuff is mine. It's all God's. And if they need it, they can have it. And it's just this beautiful, and I don't know that the Judean guys have actually experienced that that beauty, that freedom, to know that there is no more Jew, there is no more Gentile, there is no more male, there is no more female, there is no more slave, there is no more free man. It's just we're in Christ. What they got to experience firsthand from Saul and Barnabas, that's a beautiful thing. It's a neat thing to take place. Look around, I guess. It's my... Last thing to say, look around. See what God wants to do with you. It may be vacuuming tomorrow. Great. And vacuum. Maybe ministering to 50 or 60 people tomorrow. Do it. I hate vacuuming, you know, you might say. Well, then maybe you better vacuum. I can't stand up and talk in front of people. Well, then maybe you better let the Holy Spirit let you stand up and talk in front of people. It is not about us, and it's not about our gratification. It's about doing his will each day. What does God have for me today? To go out and do it. Be happy about it. 
I've noticed that in my life, and you probably have too, and we'll close here, but some days I've got these plans, and I've got ideas, and I've got all these things I'm going to get done. I've got a list. I always make lists. It helps me organize. And then a lot of the times, none of that list gets done. I think today, I, I, you know, I had some ideas of what I was going to do. I wasn't going to have a truck. My truck's in the shop and getting some things done to it and getting a hitch put on. And uh, um, I thought, well, I'm not going to have a car, so I'm going to do some things around here. I'm going to do this, that. And all of a sudden, different things popped up. We did a trick shot this morning with Bo, like Dude Perfect. You know. Didn't expect that. Is that ministry? Absolutely ministry. Started to try to do a strawberry patch today. Kind of, I mowed it anyway. I got that part mowed, mowed down and all that. Is that ministry? Absolutely ministry. You know? But it wasn't on my list. None of those things, and there was other things that happened. None of those were on my list, and that's okay. Um, list. You know, they're for us in case. God wants to let us do that. But if he wants to do something different, be very open to that. Be led of the Holy Spirit. Be very much led of the Holy Spirit. It's a beautiful thing. And it'll be amazing where you'll where you find yourself. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. And thank you for this beautiful book you've given us. Your word. It's your word because you wanted us to hear it. These are your stories. These are your narrations. These are your accounts of what went down. And we're so thankful that you've given these to us because you wanted us to know. And the book of Acts is still continuing today. And so Lord, help us to walk like this, to live like this, to love like this, to be like Barnabas, to be so caring and, and to be so, or just so in tune with your spirit. We want that. I don't want to be like the Judean guys. I mean, the God bless them. I guess they thought they were defending you or something. I don't know what their thoughts were behind the whole thing, but a lot of times the religious guys, the law guys, they really think they're doing you a favor by protecting you and all. And they, just, they needed to learn. So God, I pray you to help us to be teachable, to be humble, um, and that you, by your Holy Spirit, would teach, teach us all things lead and guide us into all truth and that we might be conformed into your son's image. That we might look more and more like him, absolutely fulfilling the law, but filled with love and walking with you and closeness to you with compassion on people. That's what we want. So we thank you for this evening. We thank you for all that you've done in the Sunday school ministry um, tonight. And uh, we pray for tomorrow night's study, uh, Revelation Chapter 1, Lord, we pray that that goes well and that it's clear and um, concise, but also um, rich, Lord, and that that comes by you being our teacher. So we pray for your Holy Spirit ahead of time for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you need prayer before you go, please come up. We'd love to pray with you. Otherwise, uh, have a good rest of the week.